Street Smart Podcast, back at the Lounge Upright Digital Studios. Today we're talking with Chris Westmoreland. So, Chris, thank you so much. And you told me right before this is your first ever podcast to be on. Yep. yep. And first so uh, that's great. Yep. So I'm excited to, to see you uh, uh, and bring your story to people because I, I know it's going to be amazing. So thank you for being a part of it. Yeah, thank you for having me. I mean, that's really cool. It's uh, It's been a long time coming, so I'm, I've been hiding in the closet. So it's now it's time to come out and to share. Yep. So it's, it's great. I appreciate it being able to part of this. I, I love what you guys are doing. So. Fantastic. Thank you. So, uh, I connected with you like I do so many other people on LinkedIn and, and, you know, you've asked some questions and, you know, I have some, you and I have some mutual connections and uh, mutual connections that have been on the show. And so yeah. I just reached out and said, Hey, do you want to be on the show? And you said, yeah, let's do it. So here we are. Uh, and again, it's just a conversation of you know, who you are and, and your story and, and your journey of entrepreneurship and all the lessons you learned along the way and, and everything. So let's start there. Let's start with uh, where you're from, where were you raised, all of that. Yeah, the life of being a riverboat gambler. Yeah, it's <clears> what it so, is. <laughs> yeah. So I was born on the Air Force Base in Jacksonville, Arkansas. Uh, my dad was uh, in the Air Force. And so, as you can imagine, that meant travel. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I've traveled the beginning of my life and haven't stopped since. So uh but uh this is my family is from east texas uh so i try to stay away from there as much as possible sure yeah no <laughs> so i love east texas i love all the people there just uh related to a lot of them so sure houston was a good place to be so it's a good place to be and, from east yeah. texas yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. it's a good place to go back to and, and relax and, and chill out sometimes it's beautiful awesome lakes and yeah. great i love fishing so it's a so so i'm sure you fish clear fort yeah yeah that's a little great yeah I, I, uh, Fayetteville is probably my favorite. Sam Rayburn's got lots mm-hmm. of memories. So, but yeah, yeah Fort's an amazing lake. The fish. whole entire state of Texas, I've, I've, I've been the most all the lakes. So yeah, yeah, it's fun. Um, but I've traveled a lot. So, um, I've been to all 50 states and 48 countries. So oh, wow. I've been a few places here on the planet. And so. Uh, my ultimate goal one day is to to get to the moon or maybe Mars and be able to look back at the Earth and kind of point out, oh, yeah, I've been all over these little places. So, uh, but I've been very blessed and and had the opportunity to see a lot of the planet. So, That's I, cool. I think it's been a. Most people don't like living the the life of a nomad, but I'm I'm all in. So yeah, I think it's great and lots of different cultures I've been exposed to. Uh, I think it's been very helpful and. Um, I'm sure we'll get to it as part of the journey of being an entrepreneur, the more exposure you have to life in general makes it to me, makes it more opportunistic in being able to reach products for a broader audience. Sure. Um, is you, you have a little bit better understanding of different cultures than you would if you just, you know, if I was just born in East Texas and never moved from Lufkin or Nacogdoches, Texas, then uh, my my experiences would be a lot more limited. And I, I think that's a big part of why I am, who I am, what I am, um, and, and the people around me because I've had those exposures, you know. So it, it's, it's, it has a lot to do with the story. So. Sure. There's, there's no doubt that <clears throat> traveling to as many places as, as you've, you, you have, that that's going to help form and inform uh decisions that you make and yeah. and the way that you 
you know, set your businesses up and, and how you target different, you know, demographics and, and probably a very unique understanding of, you know, those types of things. Yeah. So when you, when you, you're bouncing around as a kid, you're a military brat, right? And moving around as your dad has yeah. to. Military brat and a preacher's kid, so. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's <laughs> so, a twofer. So, so the fact that I'm still alive is a miracle. Yeah, so. right. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. yeah. Alive or not in prison. Yeah. Uh, one yeah. of the two. Yeah. Uh, so, so, I actually turned out really good for the, all the circumstances that were in front of me, so I, I think I did anyway. So, yeah. Hey, I wouldn't. I, <laughs> so, I'm in no place to argue that. So, yeah. So you. As a as a young adult, as a as a kid, what did you want to be? So at seven years old, I decided I wanted to be an architect, uh, and and I was really very adamant about. Um, I've always been. My parents would say I was very good at taking things apart when I was little, um, and, and I think you know just that mechanical mindset, just how does things work? Why does it work that way? Well, you know, who says it has to work that way? Um, just from birth has been just ingrained in me, you know, ge genetics built. Um, Did you ever have parts left over when you put it back together? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. those parts aren't needed, clearly. Yeah, so exactly. So yeah. You can redesign it like this and be more efficient. It's unnecessary like, parts. Exactly. You put in here. And, and that's really uh, the key core behind all of the businesses that I'm involved with is efficiency. Hmm. And so uh, uh, I love the BASF PA, BASF commercials that we we don't build things we make things better yeah um and i think that's uh, we we build things but it's it's how do you do it more efficiently and, gotcha. and that's always been behind the structures of anything that i'm connected to so so what do you think drew you to uh, architecture just building just seeing something that like you know, i've always had the innate ability to see things before they were actually built um i, I can conceptualize things in my visually in my head way beyond you know, uh, I, it's been commonly told to me that I live 10 years in the future, hmm. uh, that I'm always, everything I see is 10 years ahead of time. Um, and so that's, you know, it goes with architectures. Like I can see buildings here. I can see structures here. I can see, you know, the, the ability to grow and build and do, do other things. So it's just my mindset's kind of key to that. So nice. So did you ever pursue that? Uh, actually, I did. Um, right up till I graduated high school, uh, I actually was designing homes uh, while I was a senior in high school. Um, so I, there was, I was living in Las Cruces, New Mexico, one of the many places I lived along my journey. Um, uh, was connected with New Mexico State University, but I was I was working there um, with a home builder and was helping do design home designs uh, prior to me graduating high school, and I even gotten a scholarship to go to um arizona uh, for an architectural program um and turned it down and moved to houston texas so um, because you turned it down well it was, it was a complicated decision um i i'm not a fan of sand and desert and so um I, at that time i was still huge into fishing and and loved you know caves and just sure natural habitats that are greener <laughs> than, <laughs> than Arizona than Arizona yeah so so it was like well and and um, at that time my grandmother was uh, suffering from breast cancer and mm. so my parents moved to Houston to be able to take her to MD Anderson to get treatment 
Um, so for me, um, I wasn't really necessarily ready to say, yeah, I'm ready to be on my own. And uh, even though I was involved in some government uh, programs in White Sands, New Mexico, and some other military projects, I just I wasn't ready to to say, hey, that's where I wanted to be, and that's what I wanted my life to be. Um, and I saw opportunity, you know, um, I knew one of the connections I had, uh, family of the church that we went to, he was a, he had lived this like amazing, incredible, just phenomenal life. He knew who Billy, he gave the gun to Billy the Kid. He, he had been involved in, you know, he had his own gold mine. He had like hmm. these amazing, like he was part of the railroad when it went across. He he was little whenever the Indians and stuff, and the Indians had attacked his family. I, so he had helped bury the real Smokey the Bear. I mean, the guy had just had such a life that was just like, and so anyway, he got me into uh, wooden piping. He got me into ge- gemology and geology, um, and, and he had talked about wood piping and, and things like that. And so it kind of piqued my interest about oil and gas. And so I was like, well, hey, y'all are moving to Houston. There's an opportunity I can get bigger firms. Um, at that time in Las Cruces really wasn't um, as engineeringly focused schools as it was either military or or, or other um, mostly like solar or space type stuff. And at that time it didn't interest me as much. And so like Houston or building houses. So I said, nah, let's go to Houston and see what can happen. Uh, Houston's not so, a bad spot, man. There's a lot of opportunity here, even in the other things you're mentioning. Yeah. Uh, Houston's this, it's an amazing ecosystem. There's yeah. really anything in the world you want to get involved in is, exactly. is here, you know, so. So it's like this little country boy guy that, that's had, you know, some exposure to the world, opportunity to go to the big city. So it's like, I just see my path that way. So I just stayed with my parents and moved to Houston. So it was a, uh, Actually, <laughs> moved to Channel View, so <laughs> so so the best side of Houston, uh, fully exposure to all the oil and gas, you know, oh, yeah. opportunities, yep. and so it was it was really a true blessing, um, and and got me right into uh, engineering, and it's like uh, whenever the the I had a, I wanted to be an architect all the way up till my senior year, um, and a member of the church came to me and said. You don't want to be an architect and i said no i really do like <laughs> this is really awesome i, I love it right. i'm designing well, houses thanks for yeah and so he goes that you know he goes no you don't he said architects don't ever make any money till they die he says you want to make some real money and this and this was true at that time you know hmm. it was very difficult for architectures to make architectural uh unless you're in new york or big cities like it was really difficult for you to make a real good living he goes, go into engineering. He said, you can take the knowledge and stuff you have. You're so smart. You're so this and that. Like, you really need to go look at being an electrical engineer. So, okay, because I was very good at putting stuff together and you know, wiring stuff. And, and so he saw that in me, and he says, that's where you need to go. So that's what I started doing was I, when I moved here, um, I started off being going to school to get my double E, uh, electrical engineering degree. And so... Um, Started going to school here and and got involved and another member of the church here helped me get into uh, SMB engineering. Uh, started working at an engineering company like three months, four months out of high school. Hmm. So yeah, so it was like this is where I'm supposed to be. Sure. So so you get into engineering, you're kind of going down the path of electrical engineering. Did you finish your electrical engineering degree? 
I did not. Did not. <laughs> so, Outstanding. So, so a couple of years in, I'm working in the computer support group because uh, I was good with programming and stuff like that. So they put me in the computer support group. And this was a shift in the 90s because um, this is early 90s, right? So uh, there was a shift in the 90s in the industry. Um, so it, it used to be that you would have all of your admin and all that stuff was just considered overhead. So you just have overhead of the company and then everybody else was workers and it was just part of the cost structure. In the 90s, in the generally in the industry for engineering, there was a huge shift to take those people from being overhead to being job supported. And so uh, the department I was in wound up getting dissolved and pushed into a discipline um, at that time. And of course, you know, me and my infinite wisdom, I'm going to electrical engineering, I'm going to school and, you know, learning to be in that electrical engineering. So you would think I'd go into electrical engineering discipline. Well, God had some other plans that, hey, you're going to do something different. And I'm like, okay. And I fought and kicked and screamed and said, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, they moved me into the mechanical group. I said, no, you need to be in the mechanical group. Your, your skills lie in... If I'm going to electrical, I'm learning all this stuff. I know right. about wiring and diagrams and, you know, motors and all this stuff. and spend all this time. Why in the world would I want to go and learn about fractions? Like, this is horrible. I, I hate math. I don't want to deal yeah. with that. Nobody ever wants to learn about fractions. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Nobody so, ever wants that. So I fought it and kicked and screamed, and that lasted for about two seconds. They said, no, you're going into mechanical. So guess what? I went to mechanical. Uh turned out that was the best thing for me um so i i got in and it was like duck to water just went it's like man this is great you know uh learn my way around the the whole fractional thing and and next thing you know uh I'm, I'm super heavy involved in mechanical and structural and that that's really the core of my background is more mechanical and structural i still know electrical I obviously stayed connected with it uh quantum mechanics uh quantum physics is our my passion studies because mm -hmm. um, I love uh, electromagnetics and, and that kind of stuff. And so I still stay connected with that group. Um, but I, I've lived, breathed, and survived 30 plus years on, on mechanical and structural. So, yeah, I guess it worked out. <laughs> so. You know, it's interesting. Uh, engineering disciplines are, that's an interesting topic. So I'm in oil and gas. And so you, mm -hmm. you see this like, sort of ebb and flow of petroleum engineers when oh. times are good everyone gets into petroleum engineering and they graduate just in time for time to be bad yeah and then they're yeah. like shit i can't find a job <laughs> yeah and then you know so it's, it's an interesting thing and and uh i talked to a friend of mine who was a petroleum engineer and he was directing his kid who wanted to be a petroleum engineer to be a mechanical engineer he's like you, you can do the same yeah thing yeah. with that yeah and and i'd imagine there's some crossover with electrical and mechanical and, yeah. and you know all of those things kind of tend to touch one another don't, a, a don't ever bit. tell anybody in another discipline but you know mechanical engineering has to know all of it like we have to know process we have to know electrical we have to know structural we, and that's a completely unbiased all. statement from my point of perspective yeah. <laughs> yes uh, sure. yeah yeah i mean in, in reality i think if you sit down and say okay if you sit down you'll find that mechanical engineering is is a more broad-based engineering group. Absolutely. Um, just because, again, you have to have an understanding. Now, are you an expert in those fields? Absolutely not. Um, 
but you're it, it's very much more broad engineering group. You need to understand how one affects the other, Correct. for sure. Yeah. So, so you're working as a you're a mechanical engineer now. Are you working for somebody at this point, right? Yeah. So I, I, I've worked for um, Mustang Engineering. Uh, started off SMB was there seven years. They went to Mustang Engineering and lots of different companies in between. You know, the same ebb and flow. When things are bad, you you find the little fabrication shops mm-hmm. or, or or other places to work. Uh, I've worked for some of the big guys, Jacobs and Floor, and, and those guys. And there's some small companies that you wouldn't know who they are, but, you know, they, they were great places and great opportunities. Every every place I was at, there was always an opportunity for me to learn, and hopefully I was able to do the same. Um, that's something that's very important to me in, in my journey. Any any Anything that I've been blessed with, I also need to bless others. Um, and, and that really kind of goes with the business too. It, it's not, it's not about me. It's about the greater good that can be done by the whole. Uh, and that's what I love about the engineering business as whole. You always have those that are self-focused, you know, have that no matter what, but I think as a whole, especially in the oil and gas industry, the majority of people really want to find ways to do stuff beyond themselves. And, and that's really, to me, that what keeps me in that family is like, hey, it, it's a family. We, we watch out for each other. We take care of each other. We have to try to help grow each other. If there's a way I can find to help you, then, you know, it, it's just really more of a family atmosphere than, than I think has been shared to the public. Like, a lot of people don't know that. They think, oh, you're just an engineer. It's like, well, no, it's, 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 a, it's a beehive colony. You know, we all have things to do to keep that hive going, but it impacts everybody, it impacts the world. Um, and I, I don't think enough marketing has been done on that to really help people understand how much we really touch everybody. No, oh, without a doubt. And it's easy to make us the villain, too. So. Uh, yeah, and, and that's yeah. what people <laughs> tend to gravitate towards. Yeah, is the, yeah. Well, it's an the, easy target, the kind of right? Sensationalized, uh, terrible stuff. But uh, you know that that thought of uh, constructing or building something that is beyond yourself is that when you started forming businesses, was that sort of a core uh, mentality you would go into that with? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So when when did you first start thinking? You know, I mean, I've got a great career going. Things are going well. I'm sure you were making good money. You were working for you know solid, reputable companies, and engineers are generally highly compensated. Things are going, and so things are going really well. Yeah. Uh, at what point did you say, "Yeah, this is too comfortable. I think I'm gonna blow this up and start my own stuff." Well, I guess uh, maybe seven or eight years old. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so you started. You so, wanted to from the beginning. Huh? So my my family is very much entrepreneurial. Uh, my great grandfather owned his own business. Grandfather, you know, dad, preacher. He's an independent guy, so he's you know. So yes, it, it's all being our own boss has always been kind of like a genetic thing in our family. Uh, my brother has his own business, uh, and, and so it's just kind of, I guess, what we do. It's um, something you grew up watching. Yeah, yeah. So I always saw that, like, hey, you know, to me, it wasn't ever. I, I've, I've always been do what helps others and the rest works out mm. um so I, i've never been afraid to do any anything like that like that, that never even crosses my mind it's like hey you know we need to go do this what what does cross my mind is when i see somebody being mistreated 
or or not supported the way that I feel like they should be, um, those things are more like, no, that's not right. We can't do that. So I can go out and provide this same service in a more proper way and still accomplish a financial goal, then that's what needs to happen. So I I think I'm I'm less averse to risk averse than than most other people just like hey if i can get a group of people that can figure out how to do it and make money doing it let's go um more so so than you know so that's fascinating what what makes you what do you think makes you you know more tolerant of risk in that scenario so my spiritual background i think really because i just I, i feel god put me here to to help others and I, there's, you know, I've been I've been very blessed. The people in my life have supported me doing that, so I don't have the. There's been a few in my past that didn't, but now, um, my family is super supportive of of doing that. Matter of fact, actually, my son is starting to work for me now, so That's which awesome. is really cool. You know, to see him, and, and not forcing him to take over any of the businesses or or work in any of the businesses I'm doing. It's like. Hey, be involved, learn what you can here. And if you want to take that off and do something separate on your own, I'm here to support you. Um, How old's your son? He is 23. So <laughs> he was born in 2000. Let's hope you got that so, right. Yeah, so I was figure out whatever year we're in. Uh, so he's 23 and I have a daughter 21. And they're both, they're both, uh, they're both independent minded and they both, you know, want to, uh, I think, follow in those same The daughter, she wants to, have her own business as well and so you know i always fostered that you know i came back to my parents always said look whatever you want to do you can do yeah there's nothing to stop you but you so do it and and so um, you know i saw the examples the families doing stuff like just go just do it you're gonna fail don't be afraid to fail it's gonna happen don't worry about it just figure out how to fix it right and and that's that think that's really the the biggest scare factor for most people is they're not willing to go okay well that didn't work how do i how do i adjust so i can take care of that um and and i think some of it too you know i i started off with a drafting company in 2006 tried to build that into an engineering company that failed miserably um so that was your first attempt at entrepreneurship is 2006 i'm going to do a a drafting company that was my first major step out on my own and do. I, I'd always had like side hustles, right? You know, uh, trying to figure out what do I want to do. There's as a an business. ongoing debate on the podcast whether the side hustle is an actual entrepreneur adventure or not. It's and a I, safe I have, adventure. It, it's uh, <laughs> it is definitely, uh, it's definitely mitigating your your risk. For yeah, sure. yeah. Uh, it, it's good as a test bed, right? Mm-hmm. But as a company, you gotta you gotta leave you got to do it on your own. Um, now, I still consult for other companies, and I do work for other companies to help balance income sometimes. Um, but at some point, you just got to say, hey, bro, I want this to be real. We're going to do this or not. And, and Yeah, so, I mean, at some point, if you're ha- half in, half out, it, it's hard to dedicate the proper time and resources yeah. to making it go to the next thing. Now, I've been... S- super extremely blessed with the people that work with me um i tend to not have the i try to not have the i'm the boss syndrome um 
because it is a team. The, the, nothing gets done by yourself ever. Um, and, and I think making that known with your team, making it known with your, the people that are working with you, hey, this is a team effort for something to happen. Um, I think it's hugely important. You know, I, I, we watch all these inspirational videos and what they did. And, you know, I always see, like, these guys that almost succeeded, but there's, you know, or the ones even that succeeded, they always had that one person that was going along, had an idea, and they got shot down because the guy was being, like, really rude to them or, you know, hateful towards them or whatever. And it's like, you know, you would have been so much further ahead if you had just stopped and given that person a little credit and said, hey, you know what? that was a good idea how do we how do we grow that and so I really try we're all none of us are perfect and I'm sure you know the guys will like sometimes I'm the the Hulk <laughs> so mm-hmm. you know I have my days where I'm I'm cranky and, and fussy but I hope that, and I believe that they all know that I want to support their ideas and their growth as well unless it's detrimental to the company but always try to say okay you know well let's take that idea and and set it aside for right now let's accomplish what we're trying to do but let's go back to that and visit that and see if that's something that's got legs or and so it really for me it really is a beehive mentality you know like yeah I may be the one that's financially responsible or, or the guy that's having to take the the brunt of whatever happens but it's a team effort it's not me it, it's it's absolutely that group is what's making something successful or not. Yeah, without a doubt. So 2006, you step out on your own. You say, okay, I'm going to do this thing for real. Yeah. Uh, you start a drafting company. What's the name of it? Uh, Checkmate Design. So not a bad name. Yeah, it was okay. It was. <laughs> it's still, it's we're still learning. It was still actually uh, the guy that I was trying to partner with because he he writes program. We were going to build our own uh, CAD package towards oh, helping gotcha. make things faster, quicker, you know, faster turnaround for your for your deliverables. Um, he's the one that actually came up with that name, and I, he just said because we were we were looking at some chess stuff, and he goes, "What about checkmate?" Like, that sounds pretty cool. It's like yep. you know, because it's kind of mission driven, and and so uh, we started off with that, and. Of course, you know, again, we were still learning. We were trying to figure things out. I still didn't know enough about business really to set things up properly. What were some things that you didn't know that, that led to that being, you know, not the, not the outcome you'd hoped for? There was a ton of things right. that I learned. And and that's the, that's the thing about business. Like, you have to be willing to say, I don't know. I don't know. I have an idea. I want to try it, but I don't know. And and I I think at that time I wasn't as open as I needed to be about the risk that was involved, um, because I I felt like I've been doing drawings forever. I can handle that. That's not a big deal. I see all these other companies doing it. Why is it a problem? Um, the other the other part was is I because I, I hate sharing negative things. Um, and I never want to share negative about a person because life circumstances may have created a situation that may not be who that person was. It was just that way at that time. Um, I allowed a client to, I moved in with a client thinking, okay, well, they want to grow. I want to grow. They're really cool people. They'll help me grow. It'll be a good partnership. You're Um, sharing a workspace. Yeah. 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 And, and so, um, 
what wound up happening was is they wound up getting to a point where they were controlling all of my time all the funding not paying me for work we were doing because it didn't come out perfect the first time you know just mistake after mistake after mistake is like you know and i even had someone try to come in and say hey you really need to let me help you with this because you're in trouble and um i didn't listen to him and and sure enough what he said was going to happen happened uh but i thought i was strong and i was like nah man this is a good relationship we're friends i'll i'll fix it um yeah so So founded 2006 ran till when uh 2007 <laughs> so, so a year a and a half quick turnaround yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so a year and a half out it it dissolves or whatever it did yeah, yeah. and you say see now, now for me i'd be like well clearly i suck at this so i'm gonna do yeah. something else so what did at that point what did you decide is that did you say i'm all in on this entrepreneur thing i'm gonna i'm gonna do this till it works or were you like man i did it cause you to pause at least and mm-hmm. say, man, I, I don't know if I got it, what it takes to no, do this? No, I absolutely did. Like, it was a – I. so it, it officially closed in 2009. I got divorced in 2009, and I lost my dad in 2009. That's a rough year. So it was – yeah, it was just like, man, bro, like just smack, <laughs> smack, smack. And it was this like, the okay. Worst year. Yeah. yeah. So I say 2007, it, the the downfall started in 2007. It was actually 2009 before it finally was came to an end. So there was a couple of years of major pain there. But mm. um, so 2009, everything shut down. Like I said, I got wound up getting divorced. I wound up getting losing my dad. So it just took a time out. I just I didn't go to work. I took a year off. It's completely just everything. Uh, spent time with my kids. Moved in with my mom. Just said okay you know we got to reset uh but during that time i started like okay i really want to have my own businesses like that's always been a drive in me um and so i said i spent a good part of that year figuring out okay how how do i make this happen and so um i just started making business plans like okay well i learned this lesson what lesson did i do wrong here how do i address this lesson yeah, there was massive amount of opportunities for growth. You know, I, I got I got fired pretty good. So, <laughs> so right. you know, um, and, and I wasn't I, I was at the time looking at going to work for somebody, and I couldn't focus. There was no like it was too much. And so I just you know with the, the break, it gave me that opportunity to kind of spend time with my children. Um, you know, and and also kind of just refigure out what I want to do in life. And also be there for your mom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so there were there was lots of lots of family stuff to try to to try to figure out and all that stuff, and so um, that's why I, I sat down and said, okay, I, I need a better plan. Like I can't just go in and just start this and then figure out what's going on. So I made a I sat down and made a, a good solid ten year plan, like what all pieces I need to have, and um, I needed to rebuild my credit and all the other stuff that's related to when you get knocked down and drugged through the ringer. Uh, so, okay, you know, how do I, how do I reestablish myself? And so, um, 2011 started working on, okay, well, how do I start building that stuff back up? Um, and, and, and started working on that. So it was, it was really a, a good solid year of just, I want, I want this to work and I think it needs to work. How do I do that? Um, and so that's what I spent my time doing. Where'd you start? 
Back you, with engineering again. I mean, that was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying when you when you built that ten year plan and you said, "Man, I've got a, I've got to do this thing." What, did you? Was there a thing you identified of I need to start here to do that, or was it just, "Man, I'm just going to do what I can do right now." So it it was okay. What do I want my focus to be? How do I how do I build something around that I'm going to enjoy doing, not just something I know how to do. And so that's why I, I, I had been doing some 3D printing. I had actually done 3D printing whenever I was um, working with New Mexico State University and White Sands doing some military programs. Uh, so I'd gotten some exposure to 3D printing back in the 90s. And I was like, man, this is really cool. You know, this idea I can just like make anything from nothing, mm -hmm. from some string or some powder. I mean, how cool it's is that? It's pretty unbelievable. That's amazing. So I was like, I, you know, and at that time, this is this is our you know mid 2000s late 2000s uh 3d printing kind of hit back to the market because the patent was done and so here like hey we can start getting back into building machines doing that uh so that's why we saw the rise of the 3d mm -hmm. printing was because the patent was finally expired where it could do that um and and so uh, i started digging in i saw these like youtube videos i'm like man i really got to get back into doing that and so well how do i build a business around that um, not just a hobby because everything I'd seen was just hobby stuff. It's also a real expensive hobby. It was. And so, uh, but that time there had come on the market, uh, maker, or maker bots. Uh, and there was a couple other like new first string, um, 3d printers, you know, personal size 3d printers that came on the market that weren't, yeah. yeah, that they were like two or $3,000 and it wasn't like, the 50 or it wasn't the industrial machines right. but it was something like where we could build small products and things like that so I, I started working on how do I build a business plan around that and I was, well I'm never going to make any money off of 3d prints but I can take my metallurgy experience and I can take my plastic experience because that's one of the things that I'm most of the projects I've worked on have been plastic plant developments so building plastic plants um, and so I, well, I know how plastic works because I'm learning, I was learning at that time. I started getting interested in chemical engineering, which I finally wound up going back to school for here recently for getting my chemical engineering degree. Um, and, and so I, I was like, man, this is really cool. So I started learning about, you know, all the, how it's actually working, how it actually gets made into products. And, hmm. and I, I'm getting exposed cause I'm built, helping build the plants for making plastics. Um, so I knew how that worked and it's like, well, why don't I just learn like reverse engineering? Like, okay, well I can take I can take apart. I, funny enough, I had a so I, I'm real big into hot rods and building cars, and I used to semi pro drag race and uh, used to machine my own engines and stuff. And so um, again, very mechanically oriented from birth. And so uh, I was like, I had this vacuum pump that I was trying to fix my AC in my car. And the vacuum pump has a pump on the front and a motor in the back. And there's this little coupler that drives the pump. Well, I'm outside and the thing breaks. And I'm like, okay, well, I just, you know, I'll call up the company. And I'll just order another coupling. Because it's a little plastic piece. It's right. three inches long. And probably a, a 15 cent piece. Yeah, you would think. Yeah. Call them up and say, hey, I just need another one. Oh, we don't sell those parts. You have to buy the whole thing. It's like a five hundred dollar pump. Like, right. I'm not gonna spend five hundred dollars for a thirty cent part. Like, you're insane. Like, okay. So I, that's what started me getting into more of the products. Like, well, I'll just make it and print it myself. Sure. Um, and and it was like, well, if I can do that, then I can do this. And 
so on and so forth. And so, and then um, at that time, I was working for Mustang Engineering and had other people that were like, hey, can you make this part? Like, sure. Uh, and can you make this part? You know, and so I, then I got into scanning, um, 3D scanning. And so I was, you know, wound up being another company that I started. So, <laughs> so like, hey, I can scan. Well, that, people need that as a service. So let's, let's do scanning. Um, and so I went out and bought a, a Leica large scanning and started figuring out the process for that. Um, and, and so, yeah, just one thing just kind of started leading to the other. And sure. it's like, hey, you know, how do I put all these together and, and what gets, you know, uh, actual legs underneath it? And, um, hey, I can hire a few people and, and have them do the work while I'm managing the company and staying a little safe and staying in the engineering world. But it's also contacts because I'm able to connect with you and say, hey, um, you know, you need a part made, you know, sure. this or that. And so it helped me build a base out until I could get more of people to understand that, you know, this company can take care of these services and stuff. Um, so that's around the 2011, 12 timeframe. Yeah. And what was the name of that company? So that's Vertex 3D, which okay. is the one that I still have now. Uh, I didn't officially go out until 2015 on my own, uh, because I was working with Mustang engineering and I didn't sure. want any conflicts or anything. And so, they uh one of the downturns i got let go it's like thank you you know yeah yeah thank you thank you very much here's here's my clue to go uh and and so i did and uh we started up uh, that company and then a vertex distribution which distribution was supposed to be a company where we could take and build uh like metering stations and products and sell those through that company um because so Vertex 3D would build the product and you'd sell it through the distribution. Distribution, company. right. Gotcha. Yeah, so it would take the sales tax and all the taxes and stuff. It was just a separate entity so I didn't have to deal with multiple complications of selling parts and stuff. So it's just a simplified where I can take other companies, make products, sell them to that company, and that company can bear all those. So the essentially taxes. the distribution would purchase it wholesale Correct. from 3D. Exactly. And then they would sell it, and they're the ones yeah. that would bear all of the costs associated Correct. with the sale of the product. Yeah, and I could pass through other parts. So if I had to buy a pump from a company or, right. or something else, then I could just keep all of the tax-oriented stuff with that company uh, and not burden the other companies with their the cost structure. Um, and, and I was like, well, hey, this is pretty cool. I don't have to, sure. you know, have tax guy for every single thing. I can kind of funnel this. I'm like, well, that's pretty neat. Well, how about if I add this company that can do this over here? So that's what led into having multiple companies was just like, well, I can just build out this structure and still be doing things appropriately uh, and, and paying the taxes that are due, but I don't have to burden the cost of if you just need a service, then you don't have to care for a product. You don't have to pay the taxes that are cost for because of a product. And so it's like, well, hey, you know, this is pretty cool. I can, I can, I can change my cost structures and, and make it where it's more affordable in this sector here without burdening it with everything but still have the expenditure of, hey, if you need this part, no problem. We can build it for you. When you're ready to pay for that, you can pay for it out of the other company. And so it, I found it was a lot easier to be able to go to larger companies and say, hey, if you just need me to, because we, we do a MSA with Hillcorp, right? So I, I can go to Hillcorp and I can say, hey, if you just need us to do a field walk now, we can go out and, or if, if you need a engineering design, but oh, by the way, if you need an MRU or VRU or, or some other, you know, device built, we can build that and sell that as a separate entity to you. And so they don't have to carry the burden of cost unless it's necessary. And so that really helped open my eyes and understanding like there's ways for me to be able to help people 
where they are versus saying, well, no, you're just going to take everything. Sure. And, and so that's kind of what started spreading the companies out was like, well, how do I structure this better where it's a better cost for the client? How'd you discover that structure? Was it just by happenstance or was it something that you just, uh, you talked to an advisor and they said structure it like this or was it just something you sort of just figured out on the fly? It's one of these industry understood things that nobody ever shares. Yeah. And it's like, okay. Now you've got a podcast of tens and tens of people that you're going to share it to. (laughs) So that's okay. I mean, hey, that's, you know, if it helps the industry, then that's awesome. So. Um, but it, it, it's understanding the structures and you know, now it's gotten way deeper for us because we're we have the R&D credits um, we're, we're getting into where we're available for carbon credits this methane tax we can help bait those costs like there's there's so many things that I can I can dig into and help like so it started off being an engineering solution but now it's like look I can help you with your your taxes your financial like there's so many other avenues that we can help you with figure out because we now have the legal structure to be able to show you how to fix those problems and so it, it could really help it, it shifted on its own it wasn't intentional like i just started trying to be a product developer and next thing you know it's like hey you know um, we actually have been talking to the doe uh, and working on seeing if we can get to the lpo infrastructure bill um, because there's lots of infrastructure stuff that we're doing that we could actually build facilities that that apply for the IRAC. Um, but it's not as simple as, you know, you just go in there and say, hey, Jiggershaw, I need some money. There's a whole runway that you have to use to get there. And so we're getting that education and then be able to turn around and help Houstonians go, here's, what are you trying to get? What are you really trying to get? And how do you really get there? Um, and, and I think that's our journey right now is like me being able to say, hey, um, you're not going to get infrastructure money because it's for infrastructure, even though they say, hey, we got this $30 billion money that's available. Mm-hmm. Eh, not really. But there's another bill over here that allowed for a grant that you are fit for. And and we now have uh, you know a lot of other support structure that we can share and say, hey, go to these guys. They understand what you need, and here's why you need to talk to them. Um, so I've, I've got a mentor right now. He, he's a really, um, I, I hope you get to have him on here, but you're going to need several hours because I love the man, but he's, he loves to talk. Um, and, and that's me saying that. So <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he, uh, the knowledge he has, though, and the knowledge he's been exposed to is a knowledge base that Houston needs so bad, but they don't even know that we need it yet. Um, and so that's part of what we've been trying to inject. So, so we're members at Greentown and, and the ION. Um, uh, he's a member at the Canon. And so we're trying to go out in the communities and share with other startups. Like, hey, bro, what, what you think you're hearing over here is not really the whole story. It's not exactly as it's being reported. It, it's more of, it's a more complicated than what's being narrated. I see. Um, and, and so, but here's a path to helping you get through that narration to what, what you need, the same as I need. Um, because um, one of the other companies is Renew. So Renew um, builds waste to energy converters. So we take the trash, convert it to fuel, and then fuel to electricity. 
Uh, and, and it really depends upon what's the economic structure, right? So if there's an economic structure for the fuels, then it'll focus on the fuels. If there's an economic structure for the, the electricity for like running Bitcoin or, or servers or those kind of things, then it'll, it'll do that. And so it's, but it's a green circular economy around uh, helping our waste industry, right? So we're taking that and, and doing something positive with it, getting rid of the, the CO2s and, and the things that are damaging the environment but using it for a positive way. And so I'm in the hardware space. And the first thing when you go start talking to VCs or, or other financial people, uh, investment bankers, so far here in Houston, it's been very software focused. Hmm. So when you bring in hardware, we were sitting at a meeting. It was so funny because we still laugh at each other. So. I asked the guys, because it was a software, but it was supposed to be intended around hardware. Um, I asked him, I said, you know, so so how does a hardware tech company be able to get to the same funding that, that's easily accessible to a software company? And he goes, well, hardware's hard. Yes, it is. Okay. It's in Next. The like, continue. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was like, I know it's hard. I've been doing it for 30 years. Like, this is my industry. I, I know what... But how do we get investors to understand that they have to invest in the hardware? Like, so software can only go so far. And if you don't integrate the hardware up to that point to catch up to the software, it doesn't matter. You know, I, I've, I have this old la desktop that is an amazing machine. It can sit there and run its program all day long. It's been running since 20, 2006. Amazing. So Dell machine just runs and runs and runs. I can't load any new software on it. It can't be upgraded. The software outgrew the hardware. That's the problem we have right now. And trying to get people to understand that and understand how to bridge that gap because in hardware, I can't, you know, um, there's, there's lots of different, there's TRLs, ARLs, there's a bunch of different readiness levels that are, are applicable to um, these funding opportunities. I, I could probably say TRL to 90% of our business and I'll have no clue what I'm talking about. Um, TRL is a technical readiness level. Um, there's also a MRL, market readiness level. When you try to share those, they have no, they're like, what, what's that? Sure. And so the education level that, that, the industry has not done is is very significant because all that stuff went to china and said okay you know and nothing against china however that however you feel about those uh, it, that's your feelings but you know since all that stuff went to china the education went with it and so now we're trying to switch and bring it back the education needs to follow that too uh and there's been very few uh, places that are sharing those stories and, and sharing those explanations and sharing business structures and like, well, go to Rice and get your MBA. Well, I'm a new tech guy. I know how to build something. I don't have time to go to Rice, get my MBA and come back and then continue on my company. I need to know today. Nor is it necessarily required that I do that. I mean, yeah. I can deliver the same thing you know, without that and that and the time constraint like you're talking about is you, you want to talk about stifling growth and business and you start requiring everybody to have an MBA. And that, yeah, that would exactly. Do and, and that's been the whole the collegiate 
I love college. I love it's very much needed. And the knowledge base that you gain from college is awesome. But to require someone else to grow without having that certificate, I, I believe is what stifled us from being able to move forward. Um, and so now it's like, well, how do we fix that? Because if we don't fix that, it's not going to grow. I mean, we're not going to accomplish the goal. Um, and so that's been part of my mission is like, hey, uh, you're trying to start up a company. Come over here. Let me know. Let me share with you what I know. Let's build this community. And, and now you know it. And, oh, what do you know? Well, you bring that in. And, and so we've, we've brought in several New Yorkers, several Californians that are from the, the SaaS market and stuff like that, the investment banking guys to say, hey, sit down at the table. How do we make hardware work? And we've got to take that program and, and, and educate other people. I mean, you think on some level these uh, investment firms and VCs would understand that, you know, software has to have something to run on. Again, it, it's it's been uh, an industry that they've relied on China to be good at. Sure. And so they said, hey, you know, they're they're the best at that, so we don't need to worry about that. Well, and also, I wonder if this plays into it. You know, hardware has become so much more affordable that rather than worrying about you know constantly upgrading your yeah. system, your hardware, you just get a new one. Yeah, you know, that's, that's think what I'm about that. I mean, so they, China's made it more efficient, so there's no point in me having to be involved with that process. So right. all I do is, you know, they'll take care of the hardware, we'll take care of the software, and, and we'll keep growing. Well, now that we have these international challenges and, and so on and so forth, it's not working that way. And now we have these mandates that we want to build things here. You know, mm -hmm. COVID woke everybody up. Hey, when you're completely relying on somewhere right. else They to, just turn off the spigot and then what? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's like, but, you know, I've been building products here forever. I, I, since I was 20, I've been building products. But that doesn't get exposure because it's not the fancy girl in the room. Um, and, and so, you know, now it's all of a sudden like, well, we want to do that. Like, matter of fact, we're connected with NREL, which is an American-made uh, challenge group that focuses on companies that are getting connected with companies that manufacture in the U.S., um, not that we don't do stuff overseas, but our, our main focus is to do things here in the U.S. And so um, having that connection and opportunity, it's like, okay, well, okay, let's go get it done. I need an engine mm -hmm. to drive the car. Okay, well, here's an engine. Well, I need a transmission to connect to the engine. To, so it's it's been this learning growth opportunity, but it's getting the exposure of that and saying, hey, you know, yeah, we're all having the same problem. We're all having the same problem because we have the same environment. We haven't fixed the environment. We have to fix the environment before we can move that forward. Um, and, and, you know, guys like, love him or hate him, whatever, but guys like Tesla, you know, he just went out and did it on his own. And he kept that knowledge, like, well, you know, at some point we've got to grow bond ourselves. It goes back to the hive mentality. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to share. Don't get so emotionally attached to the way people treated you going through that. Yeah, it wasn't right, but for everyone to grow, we're going to have to share. And and that's the part where I'm waiting to see, like, you know, what's what's really, <coughs> pardon me, what's really going to happen with the industry and when when is that going to take place? Um, our our mutual connection, Mush, um, 
love what Mush is doing. I, you know, we I try to support him as much as I can. You know, where is a point that we're working together to help Houston grow? Um, and that's the conversation I'm trying to have. So getting with TXRX Labs, like <clears throat> we have our own clients. Yes, there has to be some lane um, guidelines. But for this to really happen, and this to really happen in Houston, we have to have these conversations. How how do we do this together? It can't be so isolated, you know. So I, I'm sorry, I gotta get a drink. Yeah, no, please. Uh, and I think what you're <coughs> describing is is um, is critical. And you know, you're specifically talking about your manufacturing and that type of sector. But mm -hmm. in any sector, you've got you know companies that if they could share their tribal knowledge yeah without concern of now you're going to use that to steal my business yeah um, and, and, and you would grow exponentially you grow the the, the sector exponentially it, it takes some people stepping out to do that i think we're seeing that some i think yeah. mush is trying yeah. to do that he's he's uh he's a visionary that guy yeah. and he's he's got a lot of uh of great concepts around growing a, a real community in mm -hmm. the manufacturing space and and uh, I think we'll get there. It's just yeah. going to take time and, and yeah. take trust. It takes a lot yeah. of trust from people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's how do I how do I help your rice bowl and not take your rice bowl away? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and sorry if you don't like the metaphor, but it, it's it's how do I how do I help and not hurt? Um, but, you know, it, it's 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 a daunting thing. It's a big task. And, and uh, the other challenge, too, is. <clears throat> So we love the incubators. We love the Ion. We love Greentown, uh, Generator, all, all the guys that are here. Um, building hardware is a different model than software. The expertise that has come here has been software, and they want to bring their atmospheres here. <clears throat> Houston is a very unique city, and, and I can say that with all uh experience being able to support that because i've been all over the world so i've mm -hmm. seen a lot of other countries and have been a lot of other places and cultures and stuff houston probably has the most diverse accepting culture that i've seen out of any of the places i've ever been uh and, and what i mean about that it's not just about black and white brown whatever working together it it's actually truly supporting each other and seeing people as people um in the software industry, there's a lot of political stuff that hasn't necessarily translated. And so trying to bring those kind of atmospheres into a, a family atmosphere um, has been challenging. Um, I think they're getting there. They're learning like, oh, okay, well, we can't exclude this group. We need to include, you know, to get outside of the... Um, I hate tags. I, I really, but the woke agenda. Um, I just care about you as a person, and I want to see you as a person grow. Um, I feel like I'm starting to see a lot more of that than it was before. Before it was like, hey, we need this agenda or that agenda. <clears throat> it's not going to work here in Houston if we're not that way. I don't think it's sustainable anywhere, uh, honestly. Uh, you know, that's my own personal opinion, but yeah. Uh, so, 
you stumble on this structure for how to lay your businesses out. So how many businesses do you have now? So eight officially. There's a few others I'm, I'm you know, invested in and, and things like that. So I, and, I do invest And do all in eight of those in <clears throat> some way support one another? Or are there some standalone businesses in there that yeah. don't necessarily fit in that structure? Yeah, there's, there's a couple of standalone in there. But, you know, in some way or form or fashion, they are kind of all tied together too. Sure. So, um uh, but the idea originally as you're building that out was, okay, well, this now, so, you know, starting with, uh, <coughs> you know, Vertex 3D and then distribution, those were very clear, clear line support. Yeah. Right. And then you build out, okay, this yeah. now supports. And then this, and so the overriding concept would was each one sort of supports one or multiple yeah. in the yeah. group. Yeah. And it's really cool because like, so the Renew Energy Services, it's more of an IP um, conceptualized company. And, and the, what I mean by that is, so it, it's focused on green energy projects, right? That's its high volume water desalinization and, and waste recovery. So that's its main structure, right? Well, because I own the, the engineering development company and we actually own an e engineering EPC company, engineering procurement construction, um, we're actually able to utilize those people out of those, those jobs or so whatever they're you know, whenever it's like a low on a project, then I could take and put them on the renew projects and not have that overhead cost to share. So it's very, very uh, agnostic. I mean, it's very fluid in the ability to be able to utilize the engineering and the talent from a whole versus, well, I've got this set of talent and that set of talent and that set of talent. It's like, no, we're, we are one and then we attack projects. And so and I can... And a project might be in a whole different company or it might be country that may be anywhere and and the cool part is so I, that way i can keep the core knowledge within you know this this hive set but be able to expand it into other opportunities and so it's really it's really found itself very very useful and i, I don't have to worry about ups and downs of, of this other company right so it can go up and down and do whatever it needs to do but the core is still there um, and, and so the, that, that flexibility is huge because we don't, we're not then reliant on constantly having to deal with the, the workforce adjustments. It, hey, you know, and, and it's, I, I think a lot of the guys, like ladies guys, really like it too because they get the chance to work on different projects. Or I mean, there, so one day they're maybe working on a, a you know, a civil engineering uh, wastewater treatment plant. And the next day you're working on a wind turbine, like, right. you know, it's, it's, it's more, the, the education base is way more broad and, and available to change. So you're not stuck in like, I'm just doing this every single day. Now, if you want to do just that every single day, then knock yourself out, but sure. you're might not, have, might be limited though. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and do you find that having that, the ability to spread resources across multiple agencies like that as, uh, in a lot of ways, to me, it sounds like it is a way to mitigate some of the risk of entrepreneurship because you can have one of those things sort of 100%. crap out on you and, and still be okay. Yeah. And if it doesn't go like, well, okay, that was a good idea, but it didn't happen. Yeah. You know, and it fosters inside of the, the group to also think of, Oh, well, you know, we were doing this over here, but what if we take in and do something else? Well, we can start off another, another spin off another little company to do the R and D for that. If it goes, it goes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, and it didn't hurt the whole. Um, and and that's really the kind of the the idea behind the project. And that's why I said I, I took a year. 
how do I develop something that can keep people some of these we have some of the most amazing minds in Houston I mean it's just blows me away the the knowledge we have here that so much of it goes to waste because of that cyclical nature it's like hey you know and you don't ever get that that kinship growth because we didn't get to work together that long um and so we we didn't have that opportunity to go hey you know what we can make that more efficient and you know save costs by 30 percent because we already knew how to work with each other um and, and i think that's a huge opportunity that a lot of the the businesses have missed out on because they were just hey we're project driven so you're here and and, and nothing against them that's why they wanted to try to manage that but i, I wanted something different I wanted a core group of people of of the smartest people in the world helping solve ideas and making it financially viable. And and that was really the core of what I wanted to accomplish. So when you sit back and you look at the 10-year plan you put together in 2011 and now you're at 12 years. How how did it go? Okay, way beyond and and still growing. And 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 what I love is is I'm starting to finally see <clears throat> things grow without me that's that's to me that's the best thing that you can leave behind you know we're all going to pass away we nobody gets to live forever and and to have something that can benefit others and help others without you having to be the focus that to me is the ultimate goal like if you can accomplish that like that's a wonderful thing to to be able to leave behind and and see that be able to grow and and foster other people um, and I, I think we're starting to see that. So I'm excited about that part. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I can't think of anything else to be more excited for is yeah. being able to see, you know, when people think legacy, that that's true legacy stuff. You're thinking about things that are going to be there uh, after you're gone. And, and I'm sure it's exciting to see your kids starting to, you know, join and, and yeah. those types of things. And then who knows where that leads. And, and, yeah. uh, and as long as, the 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 heart behind it is is how do we help others i don't know how you'd ever fail and that's that's you know uh, again my christian principles is is what we tried to and not just mine the group's principles that have tried to grow that into it that's been a part of our business plan that's part of our our financial structure any of our investors like they they can't invest without having a you, you can't financially gain within the company without having someone else that you have to lift out of poverty. So there's a there's a, a limit. So if you, you make a million dollars return, well, you have to bring one person out of poverty. You make two million, we have to bring two, million, two people out of poverty. Like there's, there's a, a give back before you can gain to go forward. And I think for me that drives like, well, hey, you want to grow and you want to be given something, then you have to return that. And, and that's the core of everything that we're trying to accomplish. Now, is it going to work that way for a long time? I don't know. I hope so. Um, everybody that's on board right now feels the same way. Uh, so I think if it has that good core mission behind it, then it has something to, to be able to build off of. It's beyond you. And that's what we tried to put, I tried to put together. You know. And I think if you look back on it, even if it didn't run forever, you look back on it and you say, man, we helped this many lives then it's still worth it yeah right? yeah so man that's amazing so where can people find more information out about vertex 3d distribution the other companies you have and, and renew yeah so uh vertex 3d design.com is the product development company vertex 5d 
is the EPC company, so Vertex5D.com. And then Renew Energy Services is the uh, waste and, and water recovery systems. Uh, and it's R-E-N-U. So you have a British flavor in there. Super so. clever. <laughs> so, so I thought it was really cool. I was amazed that it was even available when that I went to look it up. Amazing. I was like, there's no way. Like, this yeah, has got to be. For 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this has to be on purpose because there's no way that that should be available. That's, uh, that's and awesome. And it was. I was like, this is awesome. So, yeah, dude, Anytime you can find the, the, pro, the a great domain that's still available, yeah. you can buy that dude like, for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we're locked. I was like, check and go, Daddy. Okay, can I lock, lock this in permanently? In. Yeah. Like, yeah. I even have a two-year protection that I cannot pay for it and hey, still get worst it. Worst so. case, I don't use it and I sell it to somebody. Exactly. So why not? Yeah. Right? So, well, that's so great. Well, we'll definitely, as uh, as as the episode comes out, we'll push the the companies and and um, are you on social media? Anything like that? Can people find you on social media? I am not. I, I'm not a social media fan, um, but I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, well, the company's on media. LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not on instagram and those yeah things. i'm not i'm not into the the i don't know how i'm more focused on the business social media uh i think the ones that are that are more have a focus than than just a general uh, aspect nothing against those just for me personally with the stuff we're trying to do I'm, I'm more business focused uh but we are trying to work on trying to get some some instagram and other stuff the guys in the like, hey, we need to advertise more. I'm like, it, so. it, it's just another touch point, really, if you think yeah, about it. So, yeah. uh, but we'll definitely make sure everybody can find you. And, and it, for me, it's been great to hear your story and, and to get to meet you. And I thank you so much for your time today, coming down yeah. and and uh, and sharing with everyone. So, thank yeah. you. Yeah, we're here to help. I mean, that's that's the whole mission behind what we're trying to do. So, I mean, if we can't help, then I don't, I don't want to, you know, I'll, I may advise you to go somewhere else to get help, but. Uh, yeah, we just want to help people. That's great. I'm sure you're going to help a ton more people before you're finished. So, uh, that's, uh, that's only a, the uh, Lord knows. <laughs> so, well, it, it's the best mission. And, and I know that that's, uh, your, your focus foremost. And again, like I said, if you're focused there, I don't know how you can fail. So I'd say continue that. Yeah, we're trying our best, you know, like I said, no, no perfect, but we can do the best we can. Well, great, man. If there's anything I can do to help, uh, let me know, but other this is that, awesome. I, like I said, this is the first time, so I'm I'm tickled to death to be able to to share. Like I said, I've I've been very quiet and behind the scenes and trying to, you know, I I, I really like to know what I'm getting into before I just say hey, say something. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I don't make mistakes when I'm saying stuff, but I really try to not have as many opportunities for somebody to come back and go, well, that was dumb. <laughs> so, you know, but. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's been a long time since we've, you know, been ready to, to get out there and get exposure and stuff. So it, it's we're I'm excited that this was the first opportunity and, and hoping that we can help share with you guys, too, and, and help grow out this this podcast. I think you guys are really bringing something to, to light that is definitely needing attention and, and especially here in Houston, because we're, we're trying to grow the Houston ecosystem people need to know about us they, they don't know they just think oh what's well, space and, and medical it's like or oil and gas like there's some some of the greatest minds on the planet live here but people don't know that like yeah, they just a lot haven't of people had exposure here. there's gonna be some good minds yeah and so it's like hey let's, let's expose those and so uh, I you know I'm not in that group I'm not saying I'm in that group but I'm very glad to be get that exposure so it's awesome brother 
No, thanks so much, man. If, again, like I said, if there's anything you guys ever need, you know, don't hesitate. But other yeah. than that, man, Chris, thanks so much for being a part of it. And I uh, can't wait to share your story with everyone. Yeah, awesome. Can't wait to hear it. Awesome.